Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Brandon Ward. And I'm Ron Jorlock. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Today, Ron Jor and I are joined by a very special guest, Dr. Philip Krauss. Philip serves as pastor of Germantown Baptist Church in Germantown, North Carolina. He's a graduate from our PhD program here at Southeastern, and he is one of our regular content contributors here at the center. Ron Jor, I don't know anybody who can write as much as Philip does. Uh, he's written <laughs> so much for us over the years, and we've just been so blessed, Philip, to have you with us really since day one with Ron Jor and I. Uh, and we're thankful to have you in the studio with us to talk about the importance of guarding our joy in ministry. Mm. Brandon, Ron Jor, thank you so much for having me on. And we, as pastors, uh, very much appreciate everything you do for us with, throughout the center. Thank you. As we know, there are so many dangers and temptations out there pastors have to be aware of, not only for themselves, but, but for their people. But, but today we want to specifically look at what it means for a pastor to be on guard and to guard their joy in ministry. You recently, Philip, wrote an article on this very topic for us, and uh, you also uh, wrote a book recently. I don't know if you want to get into this maybe later on in the, in the podcast, but you recently wrote a book where you cover a wide range of areas that pastors need to be on guard with in ministry, and this is just one of those. So let's get the conversation started by first talking about what joy in ministry looks like. What does it mean to find joy in the work of the ministry? I think about the things in life that we enjoy the most, the things that uh, that we're passionate about, and whether it's sports, whether it's our family, whether it's reading or academics. And when you apply that to ministry and, and thinking about how can I as a pastor continue on for a long time, joy has to be in the conversation. I can't mm-hmm. imagine most of the things that we quit are things we lose joy in. Mm-hmm. I have a son right now who is thinking about giving up band he no longer finds joy in it. And, and how often do pastors lose that joy? It, it's stolen from them, from stress, mm-hmm. the demands of the church, uh, things that are maybe their health, the different things that can happen in our lives that all of a sudden we're looking at the day-in, day-out ministry responsibilities, what used to, to bring us joy in, in sitting down and writing our sermon now becomes a burden. Mm-hmm. Uh, visiting some of our members that we have always enjoyed sitting down and, and hearing their story or encouraging them, we, we dread having to, to make that visit. And so it, it is, is a very relevant topic for any pastor. In, in the last two years, how many stories have we heard? How many articles have we read or references made in books about pastors who reflecting on their ministry, so much of it was filled with joy, and all of a sudden, the last two or three years, it's gone, mm-hmm. and they don't know if it's worth it. They don't know whether it's worth to continue persevering, it, the, the damage it's caused to them, their health, their family, and so they're questioning whether or not, the, am I really called? Is this something I want to continue in? It's, it's a real danger. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about ministry. You, um, you typically don't think of ministry 
uh, or in terms of word association, you don't think of joy when you think of, of ministry. Uh, but all throughout the scriptures, you have examples uh, of, of people who are serving the Lord, serving the church, uh, that, that had joy. And not only that, uh, but you see even commands uh, to, that, to that end also. Uh, in terms of examples, you've got Paul, uh, 2 Corinthians, where Paul's kind of laying out his heart, you know, in the heartbeat of his ministry, this new covenant ministry that, that, uh, that he uh, had in, in his mission's work. And he says in, in chapter 1 of, of 2 Corinthians uh, that, that they don't lord it over the faith of the Corinthians, mm-hmm. but he says, but we work with you for your joy, uh, for you stand firm in your faith. And so it's this task of joy. It's this pursuing of joy, uh, not just in himself and in him, but also in the people. Uh, you have also uh, examples of the Macedonians in Second Corinthians where they gave out of joy, uh, even where he says there, God loves a cheerful giver, uh, which I always love the word for cheerful in the Greek is hilarion. Uh, and so uh, I love saying, you know, that, that, you know, God loves it when we think of giving as hilarious. You know, there's this, there's just ex- this exuberance of joy that comes with giving. Again, something that's not typically associated with joy. Uh, and yet in the scriptures, it's a joy joyful task uh, to serve and, uh, and, to, and to give in generosity like that. Um, you also have Paul talking about the Philippians, and he calls them his joy. He says, you are my joy and my crown. He says something similar to the, uh, to the Thessalonians. He says for, uh, in chapter 2, for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. And so you see over and over again, there's this, there's this abundance of joy that Paul had for the church, for the church is, uh, that, that he would write to. And I think that that's meant to be a bit of a model for us as well. Uh, Hebrews 13 also, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll come back to this uh, in a bit, but in Hebrews 13, uh, the writer is, is admonishing the people. And he says for them that they are to submit to their elders, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. And he says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And so even then, if you're a church member, you want happy pastors. (laughs) You want pastors who are serving with joy. And so, yeah, over and over and over again, you see uh, that joy is, uh, at least in terms of the worldview of Scripture, it is an essential element to, uh, uh, to pastoral ministry. So why, why is it important for pastors to guard themselves in this area? Uh, you know, Philip, you, in your article that you wrote for us, you listed a statistic from the Barna Group that said 38% of pastors in the U.S. have considered walking away from ministry completely mm-hmm. within the last year. Even with the conversations I've had with pastors through our center, there have been numerous pastors that have at least been at the point of thinking, can I do this for another 10 or 20 years? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I believe there are even newer statistics out that are not, they're less promising. There, it seems to be there's a greater chance of, uh, hopefully not, but a, an exodus, more and more uh, pastors stepping away because whether it's their joy or other things, but I think a lot of it comes down to their joy. And, and I, I, I like what Ron George said about ministry is not typically something that we hold up and say, hey, joy and ministry together. And yet when you think about what pastors are called to do, 
to not have joy, it, it's going to be a task you're, you're not going to stick with. It, mm-hmm. There's there's so many ups and downs to pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. Everything can be going well. You, you cast that vision the first month of the year. And then it takes one conversation to that you have with a member that, that blindsides you. And all of a sudden, you're rethinking what, what just happened. Mm-hmm. And so if we're not guarding, if we're not secure in who we are in Christ, if we do not have biblical expectations about who we are to be as pastors and what ministry is to be, then we are going to be riding that roller coaster ups and downs. And it's going to affect everything we do, everything we try to do. And it's going to steal our joy there. There, no one can sustain the ups and downs of, of ministry who are not secure in their relationship with Christ and their calling Mm -hmm. of who they're supposed to be. And I think it's an important thing to, to at least make a distinction about, especially with the examples you list with Paul, what we're saying is that it, it is possible to be joyful in ministry and still have downs. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like it, it, yeah. Paul's ministry is one of many downs. Yeah. Yes. But yet he still has and finds joy in the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. And you can see it just with the way he communicates with the Corinthians, with the Philippians, and, and all of those that are that are helping him and that he support or they're support, supporting him and that uh, he's ministering and teaching at that time. So it, there's a recognition that you can be joyful, you can still find joy in ministry even when tough seasons come. And we know there have been plenty of tough seasons within the past two to three years that pastors have endured. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's going back to what Philip has said. I think there's there needs to be a sense of realism. Um, and r- realism goes different ways. So there's not just uh, being realistic about the expectations of, of, of your people, uh, recognizing that they are like an old mentor of mine would say, "Dirty, rotten, stinking sinners." <laughs> uh, you know that's that's true. That's fact. You know yes. they uh, they're going to let you down. You are going to let you down. <laughs> you know you are going to have a moment where where you know you really thought that you could get all of those tasks done in that day, and you couldn't get it done in that day, and you're going to be frustrated because you didn't finish what you wanted to finish, or something like that. Or there somebody just plucked the wrong nerve you know, uh, on the wrong day and you got cranky and, and, and all of that. And now you feel so guilty because you were a crank and you should have been gracious. And all of these things happen on a regular basis. You are going to let yourself down. We need to be realistic about the, about that. We need to be realistic about the fact that we live in a fallen world and, uh, barring an, an extraordinary work of the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, all things considered, it's probably still going to be a fallen world by the time you know you you put your head on your pillow that uh, the, tonight. It's just it's just reality. Uh, there are sinners around, and sinners going to sin, yes. uh, and so that's that's there too. So you need to be realistic about the depravity, uh, you know, of the world, of of your people, of yourself. But also be realistic about the about the gospel. Realistic about the grace of God. Be realistic about the the gifts that He gives you every single day. Um, you know, be realistic about the fact that that nothing that you see right in the here and now that are obstacles to your joy 
will ultimately be left standing at the return of Christ. All Absolutely. of this is temporary. Like yeah, you kind of have to have this eternal vision. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Like Paul, Paul, you know, Second Corinthians four, light momentary affliction. You know, and he compares it to the eternal weight of glory. And and I think that's what you were talking about, where you can be burdened by the light momentary affliction. It, it, it's it's light and it's momentary, but it still afflicts, yeah. <laughs> you know. And you got and yeah, you feel it, but yet also feel that eternal weight of glory. Yes, you know, and and be able to live in both of those realities, uh, which in in reality is actually one reality. But but living in both of those uh, is, to be honest, it's par for the course <laughs> for yeah. the pastor. The promises of God and those gospel truths, they, they really have to become our anchor mm-hmm. in ministry or else the ups and downs will take us wherever and it's not going to be yep. long before we're, we're scrambling, we're covered in guilt, shame. We want to give up mm-hmm. because we have, have given in to those, like you said, those circumstances, false expectations, people letting us down, us letting people down, and all of a sudden it's just too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know that we live in a fallen world. We know that we, we can cling to those promises that Christ will come again and that all will be made new. But sometimes it's difficult when you're in the valley. And I think we need to make that, take a time to, to recognize that, that uh, it's easy when we're at the highs to cling to those things. It's really hard when we're in a valley. Mm-hmm. And these things are just kind of not just one blow here, mm-hmm. but just repeated blows yeah. uh, that, that it can cause you to lose, lose joy and, and can cause you to question some of those those promises that you know deep down is true, mm-hmm. but just in the the moment, it's it's difficult to cling to those. Oh yeah, I, I was greatly encouraged in in I, I believe it's the a chapter in the book that I just completed and on joy, looking through some of the most heroic, courageous, godly leaders in the Bible, and look at their failings. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes to look and say, well, why would I be looking at their failings to remember God still used them despite them getting in their own way? You, you think of Moses and losing his temper. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, we would all probably lose our temper with the Israelites complaining, grumbling, those sorts of things. Elijah, yeah. on mountaintop experience, what happens right after he receives one threat? And mm-hmm. now he's dealing with depression. I mean, there's leader after leader in the Bible that experience the highs and the lows, the victories, successes. They see God use them. Ordinary men and women use them in amazing ways. And then a week later, they find themselves crying out, Lord, help me. Without yeah. you, I'm nothing. Yeah. And it yeah. just it's a, it hopefully is encouraging to us that that our acceptance or our ability to lead and pastor is not based on whether or not we can you know uh, bat a hundred bat, bat a thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be okay. God can still use us. God can still restore us and and use what we we offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So, what are some things that can be considered threats to a pastor's joy in ministry? Mm-hmm. Number one, comparison. Comparison, 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 which is so much more dangerous now when any pastor in the world can hop on their phone and and expecting to use it. Maybe I'm going to hop on Twitter. I'm going to put an encouraging Bible verse for all my followers. And within five minutes, you are discouraged because you heard about the church down the road who just baptized 50 believers this week. And you're looking back and you're thinking about your past 12 months. And I think I've baptized one 
or this other pastor who just started out, just got a, a book deal, or he's speaking at a conference, or all these good things are happening. All of a sudden, rather than focusing on your, your ministry, the blessing, the joy of pastoring the people God has entrusted into your care, you are comparing, and, and pride is either causing you to look down on them because you feel like you're better or superior, or it's just covering you in shame and I'm, I'm nothing. And yeah. so comparison is deadly and we have to guard ourselves against or it, it will eat us up. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we just did a, a podcast a couple couple months ago with Jeff Mingi and we even made the point during that podcast that that it is harder than ever because yes. you have now on your phone, on your, your, your devices, on social media, you have access where you're seeing all of these things. And, and you know, it, it can be... It can be easy to weep with those that weep. It can be hard to rejoice with those that rejoice at times Absolutely. because because of the very thing that you're saying. It's you see someone who's who's having a lot of success in ministry, and when you're not experiencing that, it can be you can begin to question yourself. You can begin to question your church. You can, be, can begin to even question God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it goes back. There, there's I think a real connection between the bad side of comparison and unrealistic expectations in ministry. If if my goal line changes from faithfully pastoring my people to being as educated as the pastor down the road, being as well-known as the pastor down the road, being our, our church being as successful in the world terms, then all of a sudden it's not long before our joy is gone. We're not guarding it because we are our goal line's moving. We've lost the sight of what biblical pastoring is mm-hmm. because we've fallen into the trap of our pride leading us just to compare ourselves to everyone and anyone that we see. Yeah. Yeah, I'll mention two. Uh, one, um, just very simply, uh, problems. <laughs> problems. Uh, we, I think, have the tendency to, to or, or or perhaps the pastorate kind of draws has a tendency to draw people who see problems and and they think about solutions to the problems and all of that you know we kind of do this for fun right we we their problems how how do we address those problems how do we solve those problems you know we're we're fixers if you will um well, what happens when there are more problems than there are solutions? Yes. You know, when mm-hmm. there are just problems stacked on top of other problems, stacked on top of other problems, and 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 now all of a sudden you you have so many things to resolve. You know, people issues, building issues, you know, budget issues, and you know, uh, uh, gospel issues. How do I how do I you know stir people up like Hebrews ten to to, to love and good deeds? Yes. You know, when when and, you know, they'd rather stay home, you know, or, or uh, you know, they, they have their, you know, take their kids over to the soccer game or the basketball game or something like that. And, and you know, they're more concerned about winning the game than they are about, you know, making disciples, you know, of the fellow parents yes. and so on that are there. You know, and you're, and you're over here seeing all of these kind of problems and issues and stuff kind of stacked on top of each other that you don't have time to be joyful. <laughs> there's too there's there are too many fires to put out. Uh, there's too many things to resolve, and and so yeah, a lot of times you can. Um, I think you said this earlier, Philip. You could you could you could all find yourself drowning in in all of the to dos. You know, uh, as a pastor, that you you forget to take time for joy. Another thing, uh, along with problems, 
and I'll just let it start with B because you know it's the Baptist thing to do is uh, patience. Um, you know, we you know there are things to resolve kind of alongside of problems. There are things that that need to be resolved, but not everything can be resolved right now. No, and and there are a lot of pastors. Uh, who, especially young ones, um, who come in thinking, oh, you know, I talked to the search team and they said, you know, uh, we've got this college town and, and, you know, the college is right down the street and we really need to get younger and all of that. And you go, okay, well, I can do that like right now. Oh, you know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we can be a young church in five minutes, you know, and, and, and all of that. And they you know, start getting working on a logo and start working on, you know, your social media team and all of these different things. And and then all of a sudden you've you've gone ninety miles an hour and your church is somewhere all the way back there. <laughs> they <laughs> they have no idea what you're talking about. You they have no behind. idea. Yeah, you left them, and uh, and you have to learn as a pastor to be patient. You yeah. know that if you want your people to come with you, you've got to go at their pace. Yeah. And, and patience uh, is is much easier said than done mm-hmm. when it comes yeah. to ministry. Yeah, and it can be a joy stealer sometimes mm-hmm. when you when you have again unrealistic expectations. You hoped that you would be at this point in year two or year three, mm-hmm. and and the things that you were hoping to get accomplished in year three probably won't get accomplished until you're 11, you know, or something like yeah. that. And and you you have to lay the foundation. You've got to put together the building blocks. You've got to let the church, you know, kind of grow to that point uh, in maturity and, and uh, just in understanding what you're talking about. Uh, but the time of waiting, the time of doing the hard work, you know, of of putting another building block down and letting it set and letting the cement dry and all that before you put the next one. I mean, that can drive you nuts as a pastor. But it's a good thing if you see the joy in it. Yeah. Two more things. One you mentioned in your article, and I think we we can take a couple of minutes to to talk about that. I think we need to take a couple of minutes to talk about that. And that Mm -hmm. is ministry becomes your identity. So that when these things happen, it's almost like a direct impact on who you are as a person. Yeah. And that can steal your joy very quickly. Yeah. And then the other thing uh, is just the wrong motives. Yes. Which a lot of these things kind of fall into that category. Sure do. But when you have this, the unrealistic expectations, when you have this this, uh, this wrong idea of what ministry is and what it should be, when things come along, when the winds start coming, all of a sudden you, you're like the little pig that has the house made out of, of straw. It, it, it just falls down. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so those would be two that I would add that... Yeah, we can take yes. time to talk about, and really, they're related. They um, you know, m- many times our motives are tied to our identity. Yeah. Uh, so I'm doing these things so that it can boost my presence. It can boost my platform. You know, it can boost you know these these types of things. And it's not always so evident. Mm-hmm. Like no, no pastor yeah. would say, yeah. "My ministry is my identity." Mm-hmm. Like, no mm-hmm. pastor is going to say that. But just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not actually happening. Yeah. yeah. And and a lot of times you see it when things fail. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Because when things fail, where where do your eyes go? You know, do your eyes go inward and and you start listening to the voice inside your head and going, well, the reason for that is because you're a terrible pastor. Yes. <laughs> the reason for that is because you're you're an awful person, you know, and and and, and all of these different things. Um, now, granted, that could be true, <laughs> you know, it could be, uh, but more often than not, 
it's because you started from the beginning, perhaps intentionally, perhaps not intentionally, uh, you know, doing this for you. And so when it doesn't work, when something fails, when something falls apart or whatever, you take it as being indicative of you. Yes. You know, and who you are and, and all of these different things. Um, and yeah, uh, it, if your joy is found in the elevating of you, uh, you know, you implemented this ministry plan, you implemented this five-year, you know, vision, yes. and you did this, and you're hoping that when it's all done, everybody goes, whoa, pastor, that was ingenious. Can you write this book, you know, or can you do this, or can you speak at this conference or whatever? And we have these visions of, you know, of, of, of all of this happening. And uh, yeah, so when it doesn't happen, when your church is just as, as large as it was when you started, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, and 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 all of these different things, you start to take it personally. So yeah, it, it absolutely can be a, a a threat to your joy. When when your ministry becomes your identity, you are setting yourself up for a fall. And and I don't believe most most pastors ever see it coming. It every failure, big or small, becomes an attack on you. It's yeah. an attack on your ability to pastor. Every the the sweet old lady who comes after the, the the service to make one small comment about your sermon suddenly becomes a personal attack on you. Why? Mm-hmm. Because she's attacking your identity. Mm-hmm. Your identity is wrapped up in your ability to preach, your pastor, or lead, or to build a large, healthy church like everyone you're seeing around you. And so, when those two become the same thing, you can't disc, you can't uh, dis, you, um, remove them. You yeah. can't break free from that. And so every everything, every criticism, failure is a potential deal breaker for you. Yeah. Which, by the way, leads me to another P. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so, Here comes the alliteration. <laughs> we're on a roll now. We're on a um, roll. People. Yeah. Not everybody in your church has your best in mind. Yes. You know, there are people in your church who want to run the church. Uh, there, there are plenty <laughs> of them uh, around uh, all over different churches. I, I remember an old mentor who talked about, um, uh, I believe her name was Sister Edna. And uh, Sister Edna, this old, old lady, you know, who had the biggest smile and everything, but there were some knives, you know, that she would that she would carry along with her. And uh, you never crossed Sister Edna because if you cross Sister Edna, Sister Edna is going to come after. She's going to throw hands. Oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, and 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 you just had that, you know, where you would you wanted to get this done. You you're you're trying to love the people. You're trying to serve the people. And so on. And you have people who have ulterior motives. You have folks who want to run the pastor. They want to manipulate the pastor. Maybe they want to run the pastor out, you know, and and so on. They didn't like, you know, what you said in that sermon or whatever. And now, you know, like Drago, they must break you. Yes. Uh, and and so you you see that, too. Um, and that's part of just the reality of, of ministry. Not everybody is singing Kumbaya. Not everybody wants to follow Jesus uh, in your church. There are some. Uh, who who don't want to follow Jesus and you trying to be faithful in proclaiming the word of God and and so on you are now you know giving them guilt that they don't want to feel yeah and uh, and you are calling out sin that they don't want to yes. kill yeah. they want to be the very obstacle that trips you exactly Absolutely. exactly and they're going to come after you um, 
There was a, a book called uh, Tempered Resilience, which is a, a, a fabulous book. And in there, um, there's a there's great insight uh, that, that it's not that people hate change. It's that they hate loss. Yeah. It's such a great thing. And when, when you are threatening to take away something that they hold dear, whether it's a, a ministry, whether it's a, a program, whether it's a sin, <laughs> you know, whatever it may be. They're going to work to find ways to sabotage yeah. that effort, yes. you know, to sabotage that thing. And that was such a fabulous insight yeah. Yeah. Uh, there in that book. And yeah, when when they get to work, you know, trying to sabotage your ministry, uh, that can definitely uh, uh, be uh, um, a, a bit of a uh, of a task and yeah. and uh, to your joy. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast a couple months ago, and it was a pastor who was. Uh, just talking about his very short time in ministry. Uh, he was uh, sharing in the podcast just from the get-go, wanting to serve his, uh, the church through ministry. He talked about the very first time he counseled a family who lost a child. He talked about you know preaching his first, his first sermon and just all these ups and downs in ministry, but sweet ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And then he talked about some of the, the rougher parts. Mm-hmm. He talked about the pandemic. He talked about uh, some of the politics that had come into the church. He yeah. talked about some of the people that you've talked about that you just shared that were mm. that wanted to be obstacles, that Hold. wanted to run him out. Hold on, I'm writing down politics. That's another <laughs> P. There. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, but he, you know, he was talking about all of these things that just absolutely wore him down yes. and wore him out. To the point where he actually did leave ministry, mm. and now he he has something opened up to where he helps pastors who are kind of in that boat, kind of a, a resource for them, and you know it, it gets you get your mind going that you're when you're going into ministry a lot of times, especially we, we see them here, Ron Jor, at, mm-hmm. at the seminary where you got these guys that are coming in. They're just like, I just want to serve Jesus, yeah, and they are just absolutely mm-hmm. unaware of all of these dangers that are just mm-hmm. lurking there. Your motive has to be something bigger than yourself, absolutely, to survive that. Absolutely, your motive has to be something bigger mm-hmm. than just wanting to do big things and mm-hmm. great things. Yeah. It has to be bigger than that. Yeah, you have to have that eternal vision <laughs> mm-hmm. that we see Paul have and, and others yeah. that we've that we've mentioned. You have to have that because if if your if your motive is anything other than that. If it's in yourself, mm-hmm. you're gonna fail. Oh yeah, and you're Absolutely. gonna fail quickly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, think of Paul in in, in the um, in Philippians when he's writing there, and he's got haters. You know, they're folks that that are using his uh, legal problems. Yes. You know, his his uh, yeah. house arrest and all of that. They're actually using that as sermon illustrations. You know, for how not to do ministry. Uh, you know, and 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 you see that there in Philippians uh, Philippians one. And Paul knows it, you know, so somehow the word got back to him. Hey, they're using you as sermon illustrations, Paul. You know, there's some people that are, as he says there, some are preaching Christ from envy and rivalry. Mm-hmm. Don't be like Christ. Be like me. You know, you know, do do ministry like we're doing it. That's why we're, you know, we're not going to jail. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't have a prison record, you know, and, and, and all these different things. And he says, but then there are others that are saying it from goodwill. They're using him as yes. an illustration for how to do ministry and, you know, serve Christ, even if it means suffering for his name and so on. It says the latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my, in my imprisonment. And he goes, so what do I do? What do I do? 
And you'd expect them to go, I, I'm over here wallowing because there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can't I can't just walk out, you know, and 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 go to their church and correct them or anything like that. He, no, that's not his answer. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. Yeah. And in that I rejoice. Exactly. There it is. There it is. It's in that I rejoice. What matters to me? Is it is it my reputation? I, it's good to have a, a good reputation. Yes. You see in the Psalms when when they're being slandered, you know, David and so on are being slandered and maligned and so on. They cry out to God, you know, uh, re, you know, vindicate my name, Lord. You know, help me. You know, yeah. they're, they're they're running me, my name through the mud. You're the one to lift up my head and and all that. So that's it's not a bad thing to have a good reputation. Um, but there's got to be something more important yes. to yes. you than your reputation. And for Paul, he goes. Christ is proclaimed. Yeah. Paul is That's just such a good illustration in this particular text because you have people that are talking bad about him. He's like, oh, you know, the gospel is being proclaimed in that I rejoice. But Paul is in prison. Yeah. Yes. His his joy is found even outside of his main responsibility of, you know, so like you as a pastor, is your is your joy only found in being a pastor? Yeah. So if that title is stripped away from you, is your joy gone? That's a good because point. Because what we're yeah. seeing here is that Paul is in prison. Mm-hmm. There are people that are talking bad about him, and yet he's still focused on sharing the gospel where he is at exactly. and rejoicing with those hearing the gospel where he isn't. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. so much to be learned yeah. Oh, yeah. from identity that particular. was his ministry, it would have leveled him. Because it's now gone, it's at, gone, at least as it used to be. Mm-hmm. But he's still content, Philippians mm-hmm. chapter 4, um, because Christ is still being proclaimed and the word is still moving. And so that it, it, the, there's so many connections to our joy. And I love how y'all connected motives mm-hmm. because if our motives are – if we don't guard our motives, our joy is going to fall eventually. If, if I'm pastoring, which Paul warns Timothy and Titus about greed – about power, about pride. If if yeah. you are in it for money, money's never going to be enough. Yeah. You're never going to be joyful. You're never going to be content. If, mm-hmm. if it's more power, you're going to keep on using people, abusing people to gain more power. It's never going to be enough. If you are in it for pride and for your name, it's never going to yeah. be enough. And, yeah. and those motives, if you don't guard yourself against them, then what's going to happen? You're never going to be at peace. You're never going to be content, able to be grateful, you're never going to find joy. Yeah, if you're pursuing mm-hmm. ministry for all of those things, I would I would go so far to say as you haven't really read the Bible no. because yeah. we see where this path takes yes. yeah. those that pursue and it. There's so many warnings over and over and over to Timothy. I mean, when you see in the same letter the same warnings over, Paul knows this from experience. Yep. He's seen it happen. He's seen pastors fall, churches mm-hmm. unravel, Christians, you know, um, get in trouble because of these motives. And he's warning Timothy, as, as you are pastoring, as you're raising up new pastors, guard yourself against these things because they will they'll take away your ministry, take away your joy. Mm, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about what these threats are, what these mm-hmm. what common threats are that come in, they steal the joy of the pastor, of the of the church leader. How can we protect ourselves from these things? Because yeah. there's a bunch of things we've just listed here. How can we protect ourselves from them? Yeah. We we we've touched on identity. So I won't continue to labor uh, on that one a lot. But I think one thing we haven't touched on is is rest. Mm-hmm. Rest, Sabbath, leisure, time with your family, doing something you enjoy. So we didn't get a chance to talk about, which is, which is fine. The 
there's another connection in, in guarding our joy to um, overworking. Mm. If I'm comparing mm, myself to other pastors, God hasn't blessed me with the fame, the platform, the growth. So what am I going to do? I'm going to supersede him. Mm. I'm going to work and work and work. And what happens, we're already hopefully working 30, 40, 50 hours a week on all the ministry responsibilities. Something's got to go. It's going to be our family. It's going to be yeah. our time with the Lord. It's going to be rest. And without those things, we were created for yeah. community. We were created for, if we have a family, our family, created for rest. and created. We were created, yes. which means mm-hmm. that we are a created being, which yeah. needs these we need things. It. God yeah. doesn't. We, we do. And, and those things are going to be quick to go. And so if we want to practically guard our joy for some pastors who are listening, maybe it's as simple as looking at your schedule and saying, hey, the reason I'm losing this joy or I'm so stressed out and burdened and overwhelmed is because I've ignored these commands. I've ignored my, my, my time with the Lord because mm. you know, I'm always studying. I'm always reading. I'm always writing. But just communion with my father has, has gone. Or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've neglected my family. And so there's this tension and stress, which we're never going to find joy if we're at this battle between our family and ministry and then just rest. Which which goes along. Mm-hmm. Another thing to add to that is just not doing it alone. Like yeah. equipping other people. Well, if you're a pastor and you're the only pastor on staff, still equipping other people, mm-hmm. making connections, having somebody come in and do pulpit supply yes, every yeah. now and then because you need these things. Yeah. You cannot and you will not do ministry alone. No, yeah. I, That's my situation. I'm technically really the only pastor on staff. And mm-hmm. so I have to use a lot of my hours pouring into other um, other men, really, and, and hoping to establish leaders and growing with them because I recognize, especially in writing and thinking so much about this, if I don't, mm-hmm. it's going to be burnout. It's going to be overwork. Um, and again, like you said, we some of the things we've talked about, we're blinded to it. Mm-hmm. We don't mm-hmm. see it. It's just mm-hmm. our everyday life. It's the rhythm of our life now. We need brothers in our lives that say, hey, listen, you're, 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 you're too far over. You're not balanced anymore. Mm-hmm. And that, that have the permission and are brought in and able to see our lives the way they really are so that um, we're able to check ourselves before we just give up yeah. or lose all of our joy. Yeah. Yeah. I think of John 15, uh, where the Lord says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself mm-hmm. unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me. And he he develops this in here, you know, verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done to you. Uh, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And then he says this in verse 11, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, Mm. and that your joy may be full. And so what is he saying here? That it's, it's a real thing where we could be going through life disconnected from Christ, yes. you know, because of because of life, because of ministry, because of our worries and our fears, because of, of personal sin, you know, whatever it is, and we just disconnect from the vine. Uh, but there's no way that we can bear fruit. He says, "There's no way that we can uh, be 
fully conscious of the love of the Father, you know, uh, and the love of the Son, as he says, abide in, in, in my love. And there's, and there's no way that your joy, that his joy can be in you and that joy be full unless you're connected to him, unless you remain in him be a, and you abide in him. And so uh, as a pastor, you must prioritize over everything the relationship that you have with the Lord Jesus Christ, the relationship that you have through Christ with the Father, um, and the relationship that you have with his spirit, uh, and so on. This, this communion with God, day in, day out, you know, uh, uh, um, consciously resting in him, consciously placing your life in his hands and saying, uh, all of me is, your, is, 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 in, is in your hands. I'm yours. Uh, mm-hmm. Use me however you want. Placing your ministry in his hands. It's your ministry, Lord. You do what you want to do with, 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 uh, with my church and, and, and so on, which is ultimately your church. Uh, you know, long before I was here and long after I'm gone, it's your church and you, Lord, have this. Um, and, and there's this, uh, this sense also in which when we start uh, through prayer and so on, laying these worries and burdens and so on to the Father and saying, Lord, I don't know how to do this. Lord, I don't know yes. what's going on. Lord, I, I, and all of these different things. It's, it's as if God, through prayer, opens our eyes to the buds on the branches, you know, that mm-hmm. we start to see the little things that God is doing right there around us and, 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 and even through us and so on. And those little victories, those little victories, uh, are are so helpful in stirring your joy, right? And uh, and, and and so on. The, you know, the, hey, you know, uh, we didn't have. You know, I I, I preached the gospel this Sunday, and um, you know, it's not like the entire you know uh, uh, sanctuary had kind of an Acts 2 moment where they're all going, <laughs> what must we do to be saved, you know, or something like that. You had some guys looking at their clock. You had some guys waiting, you know, uh, for the last song and probably were already packing up once you said finally, <laughs> you know, and, and, and all of this. But you know what? There was this one little girl who came over and she had this little drawing, yes. you know, uh, you know of, of something that you said in your sermon and she drew that picture and she gave it to you. That's a gift from God. Amen. That's that's a little assurance there that somebody was listening to yes. this message, and you just pray, Lord, thank you so much that that you know this little girl heard heard something in this message. Lord, may your word bear fruit in her life, and 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 all of that. That's a that's something you can celebrate. Yeah. That's something you can rejoice over. So so uh, as you abide in Him, you start to see. Uh, what he does, not just on the massive scale, but you start to see what he's doing on the small scale. And as you start seeing his fingerprints around, uh, it stirs your joy Mm -hmm. in saying he actually is working and he is hearing and he is moving right here in our midst. Yeah. You know, how can pastors protect themselves? Well, one is realizing wear and tear doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I'm a firm believer in accountability to have people around you that know you well, you know, we've talked about this. The same people that you have in your corner when you're wrestling with decisions, get those people around you and mm-hmm. let invite them yeah. to tell you that you know you're 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 struggling a little bit, mm-hmm. or you're showing signs of wear and tear, you're showing signs of burnout. You know, it, it appears to us that you're not as joyful as you used to be doing this work. And listen to your body. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, you know our, our bodies are really good at telling us when things are bad. It doesn't just happen when we're sick. 
Our bodies tell us when we're stressed. Mm -hmm. Our bodies tell us when we need sleep, when we need rest, when we need food, all of these things. God created us that way. So we need to do a better job of listening to those around us, the people Mm -hmm. that know us well. Don't listen to the people that are those obstacles, you know, that that are in your church. Listen to the people that know you and listen to yourself. Mm -hmm. The the health thing is is so interesting. Um, one of the chapters in the book, the last one where I look at guarding yourself is related to health because I realize how narrow my understanding of health was. And yet, when you think about your joy, if your social health or your mental health or emotional health, your physical or your spiritual health is off, your joy is going to be off. If you are wrestling every day with this physical ailment because you're not resting, you're not eating right, you're not relieving that stress through some sort of exercise, or mentally you're burnt out, your joy is is going to be attacked. It's going to mm-hmm. be gone. And so even health and, and looking at it's it's amazing how much all of this is related. It's not just one thing. I think it's why Paul says in Acts twenty twenty eight, you know, be on guard for yourselves. And yeah. there's he doesn't go into detail. He clarifies yeah. later on what it means to to guard the flock. But mm-hmm. I mean, we see examples of different ways that pastors, all Christians, but pastors especially, must guard themselves, including their joy. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So we've talked a lot about joy. We've talked about joy stealers. We've talked about ways to protect our joy. I'm I'm curious, what are some of the most joyous moments you have experienced personally in your ministries? I've got one that immediately jumps out to me. My first pastorate was a church of 15. It was an obvious replant, and eventually at the very end of my time there, it was replanted. So there was a gentleman there who grew up in the church. He had been gone for 20, 25 years, but he wanted to see this new young pastor, see if, you know, what what it was going to be like, this this new history of the this new time in the, the church history. So he begins coming, and within four weeks, he pulled me aside and said, I've never heard preaching like this. And I was, I mean, this is like my first time preaching. So it probably wasn't really good. I'm, I'm hoping, because I remember I love y'all's episode about your your preaching voice, and it, yeah. it was so good. I'm hoping those do not exist. I was preaching <laughs> through the, the gospel of Mark. Uh-huh. That's all I was doing. But he came through and he said, I realized I'm not saved. Mm. I mean, he, he's 50, 56, 57 at this point. He's been a Christian, quotation marks, for 40 years in his mind. And God is so gracious to me so early in on this church where I was going to wrestle with so many problems to say, preach the word, love people, and you're going to be okay. I'm, I'm yeah. going to take you, whether you go or stay, whatever it looks like, I'm going to be. And so that brought so much joy, just the simple preaching of the word. God is rescuing a man who thought he was saved, pulled him out of darkness when he's in his 50s, and he has since in the last four years, read through the, he had never read through the Bible, read, never even read through the New Testament. He has read through the Bible every single year. Mm-hmm. He continues it. He's just awesome. absorbing it. I was, thank you, Lord, for that. The fruit allowing yeah. me to see what you are doing if I simply just trust you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's those moments, you know, uh, you see, you see the, the one person come to faith in Jesus, you know, and you see the the one family that was that was on the verge of of breaking apart, mm. you know, and divorce and so on. And you see the the couple reconcile, 
and uh, and renew their vows. You know, it's the it's the the addict, you know, who who had spent years and years and years wasting uh, their body away in um, in in drug addiction and so on. And then you see them not only clean but serving in the church, you know, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and 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 loving on you know on the body of Christ and being loved by the body of Christ. It's 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 seeing. Uh, you know, little children, uh, you know, get excited about about the things of God. You know, it's 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 even even the you know the the painful moments of being at the at the bedside, you know, with tears in your eyes and so on, and yet hearing, uh, you know, a saint, you know, before you know they're they're going to be going home. Uh, just speak of how good God has been mm. in their lives, and uh, it's those moments that you just you, you just you never forget. You yeah. know, it's those moments that just stick yeah. with you forever. You just you just realize this is such a high honor yeah. uh, to yes, serve the Lord, to serve His church. Um, and, and yeah, I just, there, there is no, there, there are many, many joys in this life and, and God has gifted people in so many different ways and, you know, using your gifts in all of those different ways for the glory of God is a spectacular joy. But for me, uh, I, I can't think of a, of a greater joy than to serve the church. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ministry is so much bigger than us. Yeah. Yes. I may only have a year. Yep. I may only have a moment mm-hmm. with someone. Yeah. But I trust that God never mm. ever ever lets that go to waste. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. if I never see it. Yeah. Uh and so again, just repeating and summarizing all that we've said, mm-hmm. our joy in ministry has to be in something greater than ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yes. It cannot be on us. Mm-hmm. And so uh but really enjoyed those moments. Um, praise God for for those moments Absolutely. that, that yeah. keep us going. That we can do. we can reflect on when we are in those valleys. We can mm-hmm. look back at those moments that how faithful the Lord has been with us and how faithful He's been even with those that are entrusted to us for a season. Yeah. Any final words of encouragement, Philip, for pastors and church leaders listening this week? Let's continue to treasure Christ more than anything. Um, be being grateful and, and finding it there, there's so much that goes wrong it's so much easier we know the things that are negative stick with us longer than things that are positive but when we intentionally follow the bible's encouragement to be grateful to be thankful um, and 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 to learn to be content in who we are and as a pastor learning to be content with the ministry and the people that God has placed before you for this season. It may be a season of one year. It may be a season of 30 or 40 years, but learning to be content and say, I'm going to find my joy in the Lord. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to love them. I'm going to serve them. I'm going to preach the word. I think it's just some. It's, it's simple sometimes. It doesn't mean it's easy, mm-hmm. but it's simple to guard that joy if we stay focused. Remember who we are. Remember who the church belongs to and, and practice gratitude and, and find contentment. Yeah, that's good. Well, that'll do it. Philip, thank you again for taking time to join us. I encourage everyone to go to our website, find the article 
uh, that Philip wrote on this topic and be on the lookout for this other resource that will be coming out soon. And we want to thank you, listener, for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. If you found this episode helpful, consider leaving us a five-star rating and review. We'd love to hear any feedback you'd be willing to give. As always, it is our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors, and I hope we've done that today with our conversation. And as always, brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.